Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it may be when you tune in. I know for me today, personally, this is a late taping of my normal uh, schedule that I have, but we are going with it anyway. Praise be to God. We know to trust His timing, that His timing is always perfect anyway. So, this is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode 103 of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading in the Scriptures and seeing what the Lord may speak to us on a day-to-day -day basis. I've been in Second Peter a good bit, um, and so I want to go back to that. Second Peter only has three chapters, and today we're going to cover portions of chapter 3. We won't complete all of it, and the Lord may have us back in it tomorrow or for another day or so. But I do want to discuss with you today in 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to read verses 1 through 9, and I want to go back and then talk about this and tie this in. And I've titled this message, The King is Coming. And I might even add to that, The King is Still coming. And you will understand what I mean in just a moment. Let's read 2 Peter chapter 3, and we'll read the first nine verses. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we're going to talk about the king is coming, and we might even title it, The King is Coming Still. Peter here is iterating again his purpose for Second Peter, and as a matter of fact, he even ties it to his purpose for writing First Peter, and that is to stir us up by reminding us. He speaks about, in those first few verses, about reminding us of the prophecies spoken by the prophets from the Old Testament, from the prophets of old, as well as the commandments of the apostles. Now, he is then going to continue on 
speaking about how it important how important it is to remember those prophecies and know that the ones that remain to be fulfilled are going to be fulfilled just like the ones that were fulfilled before have come to pass as well and because of the you know track record that God has in fulfilling every word he says not one of his words fall to the ground not one fails he has a batting average of a thousand i mean he is he's got a perfect track record so he's reminding us that everything the prophets prophesied in the old testament and in the olden days either have already come to pass or will in fact and there's no delay there's no slackness in that there's no loss of ability for it to come to pass it still is just as alive of a word as it was the day that the prophet spoke it or wrote it down. So he's giving a reminder next of the last days. And he has prefaced this to say, remember the words of the prophets because the ones that did come to pass are proof positive that the ones that are remaining to come to pass will come to pass. And then he goes on and he says why he's stressing this. And the reason is because scoffers are coming in the last days. Now, first of all, let's identify when are the last days. Well, to determine when the last days actually began, we need to look at Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read verses, uh, let's see, 14 through 17. This is when the Holy Spirit has come and the people, he's rushed in like a mighty rushing wind. All the people are filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lots of other Jews are there because it is the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Shavuot. And so, you know, people are seeing all of this weird stuff going on that looks like to them, you know, they look like these people are drunk. And so Peter stands up and he says this. It says in verse 14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day or nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he quotes from Joel chapter 2. Verse 17 of Acts chapter 2, he says this. This is quoting the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And then he goes on and he continues the quote from Joel chapter 2. But my point today is to stress to you, Peter is saying that this day of Pentecost, this day that occurred in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit, the, the promise of the Father was poured out to them, is the prophetic fulfillment, the beginnings of it, from the prophet Joel. 
from the Old Testament. And in that prophecy, God says that this is going to happen in the last days. So Peter is defining for us in Acts chapter 2 when the last days began. So now when he's writing his epistle, this is the same Peter, he's writing his epistle and he's tying the last days and he's saying people have, you know, have mocked this for, a, for quite a while and they're still mocking and the mockers are going to come. That is part of the end time signs or the signs of the times that we are living in is when people are mocking the fact that the Lord is going to come. He says scoffers will come in the last days. Those are mockers. Mockers that, that will come and deride. And, you know, they're walking after their own lusts. They're, they're going to mock and they're going to say, Oh, where's the promise of his coming? We've heard this all our lives. We've heard this from the time that we were just little tots. And, and we're still here and life just goes on just like it always has and nothing's changed. And so, you know, hush about this, the king is coming stuff. Hush about this, Jesus is coming back. No, we don't want to hear that anymore. We're mocking that. And so they're challenging that. But Peter reminds them then in the very next thing. He said, yeah, but you're forgetting that there was a day way back in Genesis chapter 6 and 7. When everybody was just living life and, you know, doing their own thing, their hearts were evil. They were very wicked. There was a lot of violence, and, but, but life was just going on, and they just thought it was going to continue forever. And they didn't realize, oh, yeah, that there came a day suddenly when the floods came, and the whole world was destroyed, and everyone in it except Noah and his family. So he's reminding them. As a matter of fact, he's uh, here again, another connection in Scripture between the last days and the days of Noah. And Jesus himself told us that as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the coming of the Lord. Noah, we found out, preached, if you look back and you see all of Scripture from the Old and the New Testament, you learn the details that Noah actually preached to his generation. Matter of fact, it was about a hundred years or so, he was warning them of the impending flood. For, you know, at least a hundred years, he's preaching, he's saying, there's going to be a, a worldwide flood, you better get on this boat or you're going to be destroyed. I'm building a boat. God told me to build a boat. God told me the storm's coming. The only way you can be saved is to get on the boat. And so he's preaching every day. For, you know, a hundred years or so, he's preaching and he's building. He's preaching and he's building this boat. He's preaching and he's building this boat. And you better believe during his day, there would be people saying, Oh, that old Noah, he's, he's drunk on something. He's, he's crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. There's, no, there's not going to be any flood. Everything's continuing on. And for that hundred years or so, everything was continuing on, right? When, you know, right like life was, had been before. And there didn't seem to be any change. So they're mocking him. But sure enough, there came a day when God told Noah, come into the ark. And all the animals came into the ark. And God shut the door. And seven days later, the floods came, 
and all of the earth and all of the people in it that were not in that ark were destroyed. And it was a very sudden thing, although God had warned and warned and warned about it, and people had mocked and mocked and mocked about it. And that's the point I'm getting to. The days that we're living in today are just exactly like Peter describes here, and Paul in many other places, different places, they describe the days that we are living in and what's happening in the environment, the um, mental and spiritual atmosphere of what these days are going to be like. And Peter points out here that there's going to be scoffers that question and that challenge. Oh, we don't want to hear that Jesus is coming soon. We heard that 50 years ago when we were little. My mama used to say that. My grandma used to say that. They thought he was coming then and he didn't come. Well, let me tell you something. He hasn't come yet, but he is coming. And he is still coming, just like he promised. That's what Peter is telling them here, is that just like God did fulfill his word and came with the flood in the days of Noah. So this word is going to be fulfilled. And he goes on and he talks about how this earth is reserved for fire judgment on that day. And ungodly people are going to be judged on that day. This is pointing us to the days of the what we call the tribulation and the end of times when the Lord Jesus comes back, destroys his enemies, redeems the earth, uh, restores all things like uh, Acts, like Peter prophesied in Acts and spoke about in Acts, in another place in the book of Acts, and so forth. Then that's what's happening, and it's going to happen. Now, if Peter and the apostles believed that it could happen in their day, we, we're now 2,000 years down the road from them. How much closer are we to the coming of the King? He is coming, and he is coming still, and he is coming soon. He, we are much closer than they ever were. So he goes on, and he says, he wants to answer the mocker's question. In other words, he's trying to correct them. He's like, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as or like, similar to, in the same manner, it is as a thousand years. And one thousand years is as or like or equivalent to one day in God's timetable. You see, God's timing is not ours. And, you know, sometimes we think the Lord has is slack. We think he's forgotten. We think he's not coming through, whatever. And it may just be a matter of his timing because his timing is perfect, but it is not like ours. So Peter is saying here that to the Lord, one day is the same. It's equivalent to a thousand years. And to the Lord, a thousand years is equivalent to a day as far as he's concerned. He's not saying that they are equal. He's just saying that there are, they are both alike to the Lord in the point of stressing that God's timing is far different than ours. Now, <clears throat> Peter goes on here 
And he explains the purpose and the reason why we might assume that the Lord has delayed his coming. And he says in verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. In other words, he is not tardy. He's not late. In other words, let's think about this as an example drawing from one event in Jesus' life. There were some people that came to Jesus and told him, Lazarus, your friend, is sick. They knew how much Jesus loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha. That family was like a home away from home for him. They were family to him in a sense. And he loved Lazarus. But what did he do? He waited. He waited two more days, and then he said, now we need to go and wake Lazarus up. Well, the disciples were thinking, well, if he's sleeping, he'll get well. You know, that's one of the ways we, you know, rest up and our bodies fight off disease and we get well. And Jesus has to say, no, you don't get it. Lazarus is dead, and now let's go. And so they go. Why? He wasn't late. He wasn't tardy. He waited, but he didn't wait for, you know, just out of laziness or idleness. He was waiting because he knew what was going to happen, and he knew that it was for a greater purpose. Could he have come two days earlier and, you know, by the time he got there, saved Lazarus? Surely he could have, but he knew that he was going to do something greater. You see, the people at that time, even Mary and Martha, Based on what they said to him when he got there, they thought he was too late. They thought he was tardy. They thought, sorry, God, you missed it. Lord, you missed it. You could have healed him if you had been here. You would have healed him if you had been here. But now it's too late. It's over. He's dead in the ground now. But you see, Jesus ended up doing a far greater miracle, raising him from the dead, and more people were saved and blessed through that than if he had come and just healed Lazarus. No, Jesus was doing something much deeper, much more important, much more significant. And he was right on time. So when we think that the Lord may delay his coming, that he may be tardy, he may be late, he hasn't come yet. And we're looking and looking and looking for 50 years, for 100 years, for, you know, 2,000 years now. And we're still waiting. It's because Peter tells us exactly why. The exact reason is this. There's still somebody that's going to believe in Jesus that he's waiting for. Because he says this. He is God, talking about Jesus, talking about the Lord. He is long-suffering toward us. In other words, he's putting up with a lot of stuff for a very long time, delaying his wrath in a sense, in the sense that he is suffering long before he pours out his wrath. Why? Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, he's holding out and holding out and holding out for as many 
as will receive him. For all of those who will come to know him and be born again. He's waiting on that last one. He's waiting on all that will come. And he's holding off all of this anger and all of this righteous judgment that must come yet and will come. And Peter tells us that this earth is reserved for this fiery judgment. It's coming. It's not delayed. It's not forgotten about. It is coming. The king is coming. But right now, he's trying to win all of the people. He's trying to bring in all of his family. He's trying to reach out and invite everyone who will answer his call and who will be born again and saved. And he knows exactly when that last one is going to come in. He knows the ones that will yet be reached. So he is putting up with a lot because he's not late. He's right on time. He is going to come, but he's waiting on the last of those that will turn to him. And he's calling out to them today. He's calling out because he doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to be a part of his family. And he says here he's longing for everyone to come to repentance. It requires repentance. Saving faith does. Saving faith truly is when you are moved upon by the Spirit of the living God to recognize what Jesus has done for you, where you stand, how you stand guilty and condemned before a holy God. But there's one who has paid your debt and your death penalty on your behalf, and you can be free and you can be saved if you will receive what he has done. And repentance is when you recognize that and you go, you know what? I'm going the wrong way. I've been involved in the wrong things. God, forgive me. Turn me around. And from now on, help me to go in the right direction. Help me to begin pursuing you and not the things of the world, not the sins and the things of my past. Repentance is that 180 degree turn where you were going one way and now you're going the totally opposite way. And it's requiring repentance and saving faith. And God is wanting to draw you to that. God is calling today for all who have not yet come into his family, not yet received him as their Lord and Savior to do that. The call is going forth even right now, perhaps even to you. And Jesus is right on time. He's trying to bring you in to his family, giving you every opportunity possible so that you will come to know him if you don't already. And if you do, you get the privilege of sharing this message and of sharing the, the witness of Jesus Christ with others to draw them in. Our whole purpose is to point them to him. And beloved friend, I just want to remind you, just like Peter is reminding us now, the King, Jesus, is coming. He is still coming, and he is coming soon because he is right on time. He knows who and when the last will come to know him, and then he will come. He will come at the right time. 
It could be at any time. Are you ready? That's the question that we must all answer every day is that we keep ourselves ready and we can answer that question. Yes, and say with the Spirit and the Bride in Revelation, even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. The King is coming still. May the Lord bless you today, and I pray that you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.